Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. I'd like to welcome everyone who's um, listening to us on iTunes, on the King's Cast, or you've downloaded our ministry. Uh, This morning I'm going to be saying some things that are particularly applicable to King's Church, but if you are listening to us on iTunes, uh, I'm sure that many of these principles I'll talk about will be absolutely applicable to you as well. I want to read a very uh, well-known piece of uh, the Bible, at least well-known for those who've been Christians for a while. It's Luke chapter 5 and verse 37, and it says this, No one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins And no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for he says, ah, the old is better. Let's just pick that up again. Verse 37, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. Um. I want to talk a little bit about new wine today and uh, what that really means. I'm going to say some, maybe some surprising things. I want you to be ready. I believe that what we'll talk about in the next few minutes will be extremely applicable to all sorts of areas of your life. If you think that talking about new wine is... uh, a message about the the Holy Spirit, you are wrong. It's nothing really to do with that, at least not not primarily. I want to talk about this principle that Jesus expressed, that where there is something new, it must be given room to expand or things are going to go wrong. That's essentially what he says. And uh, there are all kinds of areas in your personal life where God or even just the circumstance of life are going to in this year pour new things and if you're not prepared for them it's not going to last and it's not going to work and so I want to just talk a little bit uh, about that today new wine the pleasure and the pressure of new wine Uh, just so we're all on the same page, what Jesus is talking about is uh, a wineskin. looks a little bit like this picture we have on the screen here. That's going to be tricky if you're on iTunes. But anyway, sort of a a drinking bag made of uh, the skin of an animal. And what would happen is, as the wine would go into the bag, uh, the, the grape juice, you know, it has fermentation, it has gases, it expands... And what will happen is the skin will expand uh, as the 
as the wine expands. Some of you know all about that, except it was mince pies rather than wine. But, but we expand to make room. But unlike a human body, <laughs> uh, you can't have it expand and expand and expand. Eventually, it will burst. So after a while, you can't use a wineskin anymore. You have to have a new one. It only goes for, you know, so many times. Because eventually it will expand to the point where it will just break. And there's nothing you can do about it. You have to have a new wineskin every now and then. If you were living in Galilee 2,000 years ago, and someone said to you, what do you want for Christmas? You'd say, I I, I need a new wineskin, actually. It would be the equivalent of socks on Christmas Day. You, You don't really want it. But you've got to have them. And you know what? As I've got older, I have come to learn the value of having socks for Christmas more than ever. When I was 20, I did not want socks. Now I'm 42. Bring them on. Because you always need them. You do. (laughs) Wineskins had to be replaced all the time. And Jesus does this amazing uh, thing. He applies that to our lives. He suggests that there are things in our lives that we need to be expanding, replacing all the time because the new things in life need to have room. Okay, let me explain a little bit more then about this. First of all, what can we learn from these, the story of these these skins and this wine. Number one is that Christian conversion must be radical, not partial. That's what he's saying, isn't it? First of all, that's, that's what he's saying. He's saying, if you're going to follow me, you have to make room for me. That's what he's saying to them. You can't have a bit of religion in your life. The word Christian cannot just be something that you add to your Facebook uh, profile. Or the thought of being a Christian cannot be just something that you kind of attach to the side of your life. Jesus says this, it's not going to work. And over the years being involved in church life, I've met, of course, maybe scores and scores of people who tried this. They thought, well, I don't want to be a radical Christian. That sounds too much like hard work and might, might lose my boyfriend or I might, I might cause trouble at work. So I'll just be a partial Christian. And what they find is that the whole experience is completely uh, non-effective. It doesn't satisfy. It doesn't work. And uh, if you are today a partial Christian, I know, you how, I know how miserable you are because it doesn't work. You can't do it. When we become a Christian, it is a complete revolution. It changes everything about us. And that's what Jesus is saying. You have to make room for the new wine. It has to be completely transformational. Otherwise, you're going to burst. Your life is going to... It's not going to work. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, what? He is a new creation. He's a new creature. So it has to be like that. In uh, this verse I've brought up onto the screen here, Ephesians. Let me just read this little 
portion in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God. You can't be a half Christian. You, uh, and many people have tried it. Many people have tried it, but it's actually thoroughly, a thoroughly miserable experience to have. Because you can't really enjoy the Christian life because you've got too much of the old world in you. And then you can't really fully enjoy being in the world because you've got too much of the kingdom of God in you. And it's, it's a miserable experience. You are a wineskin bursting if that's the case. So I encourage you. That's why Jesus said it's far better to be hot or cold. Jesus said it would be better to be cold than to be lukewarm in regard to him. Now, let's move on to a second thought. Number two, you can't have new chapters without new changes. You can't have new chapters without new changes. People will stand in a prayer meeting, as I, as I have done and many have done in church, Lord, give me the new wine. But you don't sometimes know what you're praying. Because, now let me just throw this out here, don't get mad at me, but the primary characteristic in the parable of the new wine was pressure. Can you say amen? Have a think about it. What was the primary characteristic of the wine in this particular parable? What was its primary characteristic? Pressure. It was going to expand. It was going to cause the container to be damaged if not handled well. This week, Jane and I went to visit a beautiful new baby whose name, ladies and gentlemen, is Vuyelwa. Oh yes, I'm here all week. I think it was anyway. But how many know that their home will never be the same again? Never. They both looked at me with those eyes that said, we've been up a while. Of course. The baby, an enormous pleasure. The baby, an enormous pressure as well. Can you say amen? It's true, isn't it? You see, when you have a new chapter, oh God, give me a new chapter. Do you really want a new chapter? Because it's going to involve a whole load of change for you. Now, by the way, You've got to have the two things together. You can't have a new chapter without having new changes. You have a new family. Oh, we're going to have a baby. We'll pray for you. Oh, uh, uh, we're just about to move house. We'll pray for you. Oh, boy. Woo-hoo. Have you seen the house? It's lovely. Yeah, I know. Whoa. The pleasure and the pressure. The two things go together. Can you say amen? 
I'm telling the truth, aren't I? I'm not preaching, I'm telling you the truth. Sometimes people have marital difficulties. Everyone has some sort of marital difficulty if they're married at some point or other. So it's something to be ashamed of. But you know, sometimes, listen to me now, sometimes the primary reason for marital difficulties is that both of them want to live as though they are still single. I couldn't believe it when I got married. I had to share everything now. What's that about? What's going on? I'd walk into the lounge and we're, we're watching Poirot. Why? There's a perfectly good game show on the other side, but we are watching Poirot. I draw the line at Downton Abbey. You have to share things. Share things. Wow, what's going on here? My life is not my own anymore. The pleasure and the pressure. And people come and sit in a counselor's office, a doctor's office, a friend's front room, a pastor's study and say, you know what, I just don't think God wants us to be together. No, God does want you to be together, but God wants you to be a married person now, not a single person. Can you say amen? Well, I didn't think it would be like this. You didn't think at all. And probably neither did I. But new chapters always have new changes. Got to expand. Need a new wineskin. Need a new wineskin. And just like in the Bible, these wineskins, you could use them for a bit, a year or two maybe. But eventually you had to throw them away. You had to get a new one. And some are struggling here this morning. Some listening to me on the net, you're struggling. And the reason you're struggling is not because the, the devil's living in your house. It's not because God's taken you through a time of testing. It's because you need a new skin. You need to say, actually, I've been living in 2011 by 2008 standards. And these things are not compatible anymore. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Got to go with the flow. Got to go with the flow. New baby on the way. Better get the room ready. I'm going to get married this year. Well, better start thinking about how life's going to change. I got a new job now. Well, then it's, you can't fit your new job into your old life. You're going to have to change that. And of course, fundamentally, you understand what this is all about. Fundamentally, you can't fit your old life into the Christian life. The Christian life has to swamp and invade your whole life. Otherwise, it's not going to work. New family, new job, new home. Can I say something that you won't like? Can I say something a bit controversial? Do you want me to? Say aye if you want me to. Okay, but you remember, you asked me. Sometimes we get ill. 
Let me be careful what I say now. Sometimes we get ill and we can't live like we used to live. Sometimes we get older and we can't do what we used to be able to do. I really feel like an old man today saying this, but it's actually quite true. For some people, you can't do what you used to do. And you can't live as though you can. Now, let me just let me just pull back and say something here. I don't mean that when we get, if we get ill, for example, that we quit everything in our life. Absolutely not. There are many times when I am ill, I just carry on as normal. That's exactly how it should be. But let me take my own family scenario right now, for example. Let's use this as a very pertinent and contemporary example. My dad can't live like he used to live six months ago, can he? He has to change his wineskin. And in the future, maybe not so far from now, the wineskin's going to change again. New wine is coming. It's coming. A new season, a new thing is coming. And the wineskin has to change. And we can't fight that sometimes. There are ways that we have to adjust our life because something we didn't want has arrived. And let me just be really clear. Of course there's a place to stand and say, Lord, I want to pray. I want to ask you, Lord, will you take this you know, difficulty out of my life? But there will, there will uh, for some come a point where you realize that God is not taking the calamity away. God is going to give you the grace to endure it. Can you say amen? Just like he did with Paul. Therefore, you have to change your skin because the wine isn't going away. You have to adjust to it. My mom lost all her strength. So all the things that she wanted to do, like go out for meals, run up and down the stairs. She had to change that. Now, it's, it's logical. It's perfectly, it's perfectly obvious. But that's a severe example. But there may be less severe examples that maybe are true for you. If your eyesight goes, then you, you're going to have to do something about that. You're going to have to change the way you live. If you, if you get arthritis and you can't move, then you probably shouldn't run the marathon this year, you know. You have to change your skin. You have to change your skin. So you can't have new chapters without new changes. Number three, church growth always means cost and change. So just bringing this into the context of a local church like this. If the church grows, it changes. One of the amazing things that sometimes, uh, I'll tell you a secret, all right? But some of the things that stun or surprise or shock leaders is leaders 
generally speaking, the good, the bad, and the ugly, don't vote on which one I am, but they, they want the churches to grow. Most of them do, for different motivations and reasons sometimes, but they want their churches to grow. But one of the biggest shocks that sometimes leaders have, and I'm, just, I'm letting you into a deep, dark secret here, is that some of the people in their churches don't, not, not, not really, because while we are all singing off the same hymn sheet, <laughs> oh Lord, you know, uh, we want to see revival, we want the church to grow. Actually, if some of the church members were put on a lie detector test, do you want the church to grow? The actual answer would be no. Why? Well, because then I wouldn't know everybody. Oh, because then I wouldn't be able to sit near the radiator like I used to. Uh, or I, I, uh, I wouldn't have a place in the car park anymore. Oh God, send revival, but please send it small. Well, right now I sort of know everybody, but if the church were to grow, oh dear, I'd be in trouble then. Right now I'm quite good friends you know, with the pastoral team, I, I can't, you know, I can, I can chat with them. I know them. But if the church grew, oh, oh dear, then the structure would have to change. Oh, I, I, sitting on the lie detector. Oh, I, I don't know what answer I should give. Because ultimately. We're suffering from the sin of the flesh. We're suffering from desire for self, pleasure. I want it my way, you know, and all that. Lord, have your way, but let it be really similar to what I want. It's just true. But whenever churches grow, whenever they grow, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you some deep, dark secrets here. I'm going to go home and think, I really shouldn't have said that. Later on today, I will be emailing Aidan and saying, can you cut out seven minutes in the middle? So for now, enjoy it. But when churches grow, something very odd happens, and I'll tell you what it is, a whole load of people leave at the same time. Why? Because it's different now. And this year... We are going to come into a brand new chapter like this particular little local church has never seen before. But it's going to involve a lot of change. In a few months' time, by the grace of God, we're not going to be in here at all. We're going to meet in another venue. And we tried it out the other day. We're heading to Zion Baptist Church on Sunday afternoons. We gave it a bit of a tryout the other day to see if we liked the seats. We didn't, but we're going there anyway. That's where we're going to go at some point this year on Sunday afternoons. Now immediately, people think, oh, that's marvelous. Hallelujah. Oh, where am I going to park now? Because new chapters involve new changes. The meeting's going to be in the afternoon. 
No. How are we going to cope with that? Well, somehow we will. But it, it's, it's, it's going to be different. Because we don't just need the new wine. We need a new skin as well. And here's my encouragement to you. And my request of you. Expand. Expand. Realize that when the new wine comes, the new changes this year, it comes with gases. It comes with the power of expansion and we need to yield with it in order to see something wonderful happen. I'm going to speak more about this, of course, in the weeks that lie ahead. So I won't look at these verses for now. But growth always means change. Always means change. Someone sitting in my seat now. I've been sitting on this seat since 1974. Well, it's about time you stop sitting on it, isn't it? So, growth always means change. And we need a new skin. Shall I say one more thing about this? One more thing is this. We're on a bigger journey than just moving and changing a building. We also want to change the building, i.e. the body as well. And this church has been for years and years, and I, I will come back to this, but I'll throw it out now because you're looking so eager. This church for years and years has been a large, small church. That's what it is. It is a large, small church. And we want to take the next step in the next couple of years to become a medium-sized church. But you don't become, a, and I'll explain more about this in the weeks to come, so I'll just throw it out now as a taster. You don't become a medium-sized church by getting bigger. You become a medium-sized church by changing its structure so that it can expand. So we've been a small church, but a really big one for years. We're a really big small church. And we're on a journey to become a medium-sized church. And we'll have to move some of the pillars around, more than just mezzanine pillars and structures, in order to see that happen. But go with the flow. The new wine is coming. We're getting the skin nice and ready for the expansion. Number four, finally. Don't you just love that word? Beware rose-tinted vision. What do we mean by that? Have you ever uh, said to someone, You've got to go to this place or you've got to see this movie. You've, you've just got to. It's fabulous. Or you, uh, you're really excited about you know, visiting a certain place. And when you get there, it's all a bit um, disappointing. Or when you put that old movie on, you've got to see this film. And you get everyone round. Here it goes. Click. And then about half an hour in, you think, oh, 
It's a bit, bit rubbish, isn't it? Because your memory of it was, whoa, this is fabulous. But the actual, you know, playing out of it, not so good. Or you go back on holiday. You go to a holiday one year to this certain place. They say, oh, it's fabulous. We must go there again next year or in five years' time. So you go back there. Oh, I can't wait to show you this and this and this. And when you get there, oh, they've knocked it down and built a sweet shop over it. And it's, it's, it's not so good. In English, we have an expression for this. We call it rose-tinted spectacles. You may have heard that phrase, but some of you may not have. Rose-tinted spectacles, which means that you put on glasses that make everything look rosy that was in the past. I think this happens with new wine and new wineskins as well. We have this amazing ability to think that what happened yesterday was much better than what's happening today. Many, many times. It's a human reaction. In Ecclesiastes 7, the Bible says this, do not say the old days were better. I'll put it in uh, modern speak. Do not say, oh, weren't the good old days really good? You know what? Sometimes if actually we went back there, I'm not trying to be cynical or negative, but the good old days maybe weren't quite as good as you thought. Because sometimes the good old days, actually it was about how, where our heart was at rather than what things were like. Sometimes people come into church for the first time and they think it's amazing. And then 10 years later, instead of thinking about Jesus, they're thinking about whether or not it's hot, cold, is the sound too loud, too soft, do they like the singer at the front. Whereas when they first came in the first none of these things mattered. And what's changed? Just, just the heart. Just the heart. In Numbers 14, the people of God say this, why don't we go back to Egypt? It was better there. Well, what's, what on earth is that about? That's just them forgetting how tough things were. And here's what Jesus says in regard to the new wine. I'm back in Luke chapter 5. He says, verse 38, no, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one, he says, after drinking old wine, wants the new. For he, he says, oh, well, the old is better. There could be a real danger in the human heart to think, you know what, the old, the old days were, you know, better than this. Do you know what? In 10 years' time, you're going to be saying exactly the same about this year. And the only thing that's changing, by and large, sometimes we go through bad times. Of course we do. Some decades are definitely better than others. But generally speaking, it's our heart's response that's changing, not the things around us. That's why when uh, the website Friends Reunited was created in the UK or around the world. All sorts of, particularly ladies, but I'm sure it was men as well, but particularly ladies got onto Friends Reunited. And there they were, 32 years old, 36 years old, going into Friends Reunited, finding out all the people they went to school with, including 
old boyfriends. Ooh. Look, it's, it's Wayne. He hasn't changed a bit. You have, sweetheart, but he hasn't changed a bit. And what would happen? Suddenly they're sitting there with their, their husband, Frank. Uh, well, I like Frank, but he's not as good as Wayne. And uh, people who do these kind of statistics would say that Friends Reunited, the website, bust up more marriages than a whole lot of other factors because people lived in the fantasy that the old days were better. Anyone who leaves their husband to chase after an old boyfriend is actually about to embark on some of the worst days of their life. But the heart doesn't say that because the heart is deceitful above all things the good old days oh yes I'm not sure they were quite as good as we think thank God for good memories thank God for times of his blessing in the past but we need to be a people of the future can you say amen thank God for the good old days but the good old days were fuel in your tank that is now dry no one ever says, you know what, I was on the M5 the other day and I got myself an, an amazing tank of petrol. It got me home. Thank God it got you home, but, it, but now it's gone. Now you need to seek out some new fuel. Now we need some new wine. We need some new wine. So let me ask you this. Maybe... Two or three questions to, to finish. Number one, let me ask you if let me ask you if your Christian conversion is complete and full. You'll know if it isn't because you'll be actually reasonably miserable about the way your the way life is going, spiritually speaking, anyway. Trying to juggle a bit of Jesus and a bit of the world. It's just not going to work. I feel for you. And by the way, we've all been, we've all done this from time to time. But Jesus says, you know, it, that's, that doesn't, that's not how it works. It's 100% for me. Or it's not going to work. So I encourage you. 100% for him. And if you don't do that, don't blame him. Don't blame him. When you don't have the joy and the peace and the kingdom bubbling in you. Because you've got to do it according to the maker's manual. So let me encourage you. Not lukewarm, but hot for him this year. Number two, for those of you who are about to encounter new wine this year. Whether that means the arrival of a baby, the moving of house, the change of job. And in fact... Some in this room know that these things are coming and some do not. Who knows what awaits us even tomorrow. But as the new wine arrives, if we can't prepare for it beforehand, we should certainly take action. We need a new skin.
we need a new skin. Just as those amazing uh, folks from social services came into my parents' home and re-kitted it out with different handles and a new bed and a new thing on the toilet and all that, what did they do? They didn't pretend that the new wine of illness wasn't in, in the house. They responded to it and prepared a new skin. And don't be afraid at times to feel that you have to do that. If you lose your job, you can't spend money as though you haven't. So what changes do you need to make? What changes of the skin do you need to make? Accepting that the wine is here. My skin is bursting. I need to expand. I need to make room. Thirdly, I want to encourage you, King's Church people, stay with us. We're going on a bit of a journey this year. We're going to move venues. You, you have to park somewhere else. You're going to have to have punch-ups in the street with people over where you can park now. Well, maybe not all of you. You're going to come into a different venue. I don't know what the coffee is going to be like. We'll see. Some of you who are on our operations team and help us and volunteer and do things, I'm going to ask you to be much more flexible about how you work and just help us in the number of months that we won't be in here. Help us. Help us. Let's grow. Let's reach some people. The Bible says we should disciple nations. So we've got a long way to go. As we move from being small to medium-sized. And finally, don't fall into the trap of thinking that yesterday is always better. Don't fall into that trap. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.